Oh, there's nothing like when the church shows up to worship. Yes. Yes, Lord. We've come to lift you up. You are worthy. I want you to know the word. The Lord has a, I have a word for you today from the Lord. Pastor Stephen had a word for you today from the Lord. You just don't know it yet. But as Stephen was sharing that word in first service, the Lord was started confirming in me what he was saying to me as I was preparing this morning. And hallelujah, somebody needs a word and somebody's going to get it. The question is, what are you going to do with it? Amen. That's where we're going to wind up is what are you going to do with it? We can have words all day long and we can just continue on like we've been continuing on. Or we can let it change us. And we can step into God's will and his desire and we can be moved. Our situation doesn't have to stay like it is. Amen. God's got a word for you today, and I don't want you going home without it. What's that? Don't go home without it. What is that? American Express? Yeah. Uh uh. Cut those things up. Yeah. God's word. Don't go home without it. Amen. That was free. All right. We have been going through over the last two months core values, and this is my last one, and I know there's some some big hallelujahs out there. We're ready to to move on, but uh, can you remember where we started? We started with salt and light. Then we went on to the authority of God's word. Then we went on to loving others and learning to love the lost and how the Lord loved the lost. He didn't come for those that had it all together. He came for the lost. Then we started looking at friendship. Last last two weeks, we've been looking at friendship and how important our friends are, are, are in our life. And how important it is that our kids and adults learn to choose the right friends. And how God desires for us to be a friend of God. Amen? Amen. We've got a place to go. And this last core value today is on discipleship. Everybody say discipleship. Let's talk about reproducing ourselves. It's interesting that the Great Commission, when Jesus said in the Great Commission, he said for us to go make disciples, not converts. He said to go make disciples. He didn't tell us to go have people saved. He said to go reproduce yourself. What I've made in you 12, go make more. The salvation happens to be included in that. But let me tell you, church, we do not stop at salvation. How many know when you got saved, you were you needed some help? You think the light switch goes off and it's just, a light switch goes on and it's just live a great life the rest of your life. Uh-uh. Life comes at you. We are to make disciples. We are to go into the world and make disciples. And as your pastor, I've come pretty clear to two commitments that I have as your pastor. And hey, and by the way, This is our five-year anniversary week as pastor. Amen. I'm not going to go into the details, but it is very spiritually significant getting to this point. And I feel very, very strongly that our best years are yet to come. And we have come a long 
way. We have come a long way. But uh, I believe we're, I believe this morning is just proof that the Lord is getting ready to move mightily. And you know what? In order for him to move mightily in this church, he's got to move mightily in your life. One can't come without the other. It's got to happen in you because you are the church. And I want you to know, this is the year of the Lord. That's what this message is going to wind up being about, is what are we going to do with him? But I've come to the understanding as pastor for the last five years of two things. One of my jobs is to help you understand discipleship. The other is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. We are to be equipped and to get out and start doing. What we just had this morning for 30 minutes is not our sole responsibility and our goal. Nope, it's a byproduct. What we're doing in here is a byproduct. We're coming in here to lift up the name of the Lord and to remember everything great that he's done and to rejoice together and to get fueled up to go and do the real work. Do you think God just came and gave his son, spilled his blood for us to spend one hour a week? No, it starts now. This is the beginning of the week. It's like you getting out your uh, weed eater. If you ever started the weed eater at the first of the year, and man, it's a pain. You better have a good, strong arm and take a bunch of Advil. You know, mm, mm, mm. Amen? Well, that's what Sunday's for. Mm. And get out of here. Get the gas going into those cylinders and let's go. Not fill your tank up with gas just to sit there and let it go stale. It's a good analogy, whether you receive it or not, it's good. Discipleship, discipleship. We're talking about, uh, uh, we're talking about spiritual reproduction. But let's talk for just a minute. This is spiritual reproduction is what discipleship is all about. But what discipleship is not? This is what discipleship is not. Discipleship is not just a Christian education, even though that's part of it. But that is not the end goal. It's not about implanting information for knowledge's sake. In other words, it's not just about going to Sunday school. It's not just about learning things mentally. That's part of it. But that isn't the end result nor the end desire. Number two, it's not chips and dip. It's not fellowship. Even though fellowship is part of our walk with Christ, it is godly. Praise the Lord. And we're great at it. But fellowship takes place inside the church. Discipleship takes place out in the world. Are you here, church? Not just coming together to eat. We're good at potlucks. We're good at food and fellowship. We enjoy that. But it's more than that. Fellowship takes place in the church. But discipleship is to take place in our church world to help reach people around us. And then finally, discipleship is not spirit scripture memorization. And I am for scripture memorization. We've got a great uh, Bible drill program for our sixth grade and under uh, kids. And also the youth have been participating. And it's valuable. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. That word, you need to, you need to memorize scripture. But that's not the end all of discipleship. It's not just memorizing so that we can go around and quote it. You see, discipleship is more than knowing God's word. Discipleship is living God's word. 
There's a big difference. Living God's word. It's applying, it's us applying spiritual truths to our heart. Now, let me ask you a question and don't anybody answer. Don't raise your hand. Don't say yes or no. But what do you do with these sermons that I preach? What do you do with them? Do you take them and apply them? Do you sit down and say, man, that one was for a reason. That one was for me. What I'm asking is, are we just learning a lot of stuff here mentally? Or are we taking biblical truths and applying them to our life or to our family or to our work? Applying them, them to our life so that we begin to start to flesh out the truth. Do you follow me? We need to flesh out the truth. We need to see that what's in us is God's word. What do you do when you hear a good sermon? Man, that was good. And then you just go back to your regular life. Or if God steps on your toes, I guarantee you in worship this morning, someone was, was touched. Something came to your remembrance. Something popped in your head. The Lord started to speak to you. And you've got direction this morning. Do you know you don't have to take that direction? Or you can start walking it out. You've got a decision. You, that, that's what we're trying to do in, in sermons. You know, sometimes they're deep, sometimes they're not. Sometimes some of the most basic sermons that I give that I think you're never going to receive from, you come out weeping, saying, Pastor, that was just what I needed to hear. And I'm like, well, praise God. It can only be God. God is speaking to you. Now what are you going to do with it? You can leave here and continue on the same way, or you can respond. Amen? Discipleship is responding. Discipleship is not just imparting knowledge. What we are doing, what we are doing with what we hear here on Sunday, if not in the worship service, then what about in Sunday school? What are we doing with the word of God? Do we take God's word and just read it and say, well, you know, that sounds pretty good. Or do we take it and apply it to your life? I use this example this morning and I'm going to use it again. Burton Putman Sunday school class for two or three months or probably even longer than that talked about being in a pit and getting out of your pit. Let me ask you, those that were in his class, are you still in your pit? Because you can take what he said and apply it to your life and get out of the pit. Or you can take what he said and say, man, that was pretty good. I'm going to take notes. I'm going to keep that somewhere. But stay in your pit. Do you follow me? I've given this, 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 uh, this analogy um, a few years ago. And I gave it this morning. But th there was a story of this uh, farmer back in the... 1800s, or I don't know when, but his mule fell in a well, fell all the way down deep, down in a dry well, down in a deep well. It was his favorite mule, had it named, one of his friends, and it just broke his heart. The mule had been such a good hard worker for him. But what does he do? You can't get down in there and lift the thing out. You can't tie a rope around it. They didn't have John Deere tractors back then. I mean, you'd probably wind up killing it trying to drag it out back in that day. He just finally decided the humane thing to do would be to go ahead and just bury it and not make it starve, not make it sit there and have to suffer. It broke his heart, but he just decided, okay, we're just going to bury it. And he started throwing dirt on the donkey, on the mule. And the mule started crying. The mule was thinking, I thought my owner loved me. I've worked so hard for him. He's been, he's been so good to me and I've been so good to him. How could he do this to me? And he started crying out and the owner, it just broke his heart and he just kept shoveling dirt on him and shoveling dirt on him. 
And eventually the donkey just shook the dirt off and stepped up on that dirt. And the owner kept throwing dirt in. And the donkey kept shaking it off and stepping up until he walked out of the pit. Now, he could have stayed in his misery and felt sorry for himself and lay down and allowed the dirt to cover him up and suffocate him and die. Or he could shake that off and step up. That's where you are. You are in a pit and you can't get out of it. Well, I want you to know God has a word for you today. You don't have to stay in that pit. Being in that pit is not your calling. No matter what someone has spoken over you, that's not your calling. You're not supposed to be jobless. You're not supposed to be broke. You're not supposed to have a broken marriage. Your kids aren't supposed to be going to hell in a handbasket. My God says, if I will hear his word and obey him, I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. It says that my seed shall possess the gates of the enemy. That's just the start. Now, we've got to know God to know how to stand on God. Discipleship is not just taking that word. It is stepping out of here today and stepping out of that pit. It is throwing that dirt off and walking out. I don't have to stay there anymore. I want you to catch this right here. John 7, 17 says, if any man will do my will, then he will know whether my teaching is of God or not. Now, that's a good verse, you know. All right, cool. Good one, good one, God. But what is he saying? What is he saying? If anyone, if any man, woman, child, person, if anyone will do my will, then he will know whether my teaching is of God or not. Now, I want you to catch this. Catch the sequence of this. Do you notice that God doing God's will comes before understanding God's will? If you will do my will, then you will understand whether it's me or not. If any man will do my will, then you will know whether it's of God or not. Sometimes you've got to do God's will. You've got to know what he says and do it before you know what the result is. Let me tell you, Abraham did not know what the result was going to be. But yet in that story, in his process of taking his own child, the promised child, God not only gave him provision, but he gave him his name. I am the God who provides. Not only have you obeyed me, and I've given you a donkey over here, or a, 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 a goat over here in place of your son. This is who I am all the time. But, but Abraham had to go. Had he not gone, he would have never known God like he knew him. If you look at the, uh, the Apostle Paul, hang on, let me, let, me, let me slow down just a minute. Doing God's word. You know, the will of God, so, so many times in my office in church, people come and ask me, Pastor, how do I know what's God's will? What is God's will in my life? The will of God is not just by thinking, it's not by studying, it's not by just taking your pen and writing notes. But God's will begins when we start to utilize it in our life. When we walk in the light as he is in the light. We become disciples of Christ as we begin to take God's word and do something with it. The problem is God likes for us to do. 
you know, the healing pool. You remember when there was that bitter pool and the women couldn't get pregnant and there was sickness? What had to happen? A man, number one, had to hear God's word. Number two, he had to follow it and put a stick in it. A stick. There was no miracle in the stick. There was miracle in the faith of the man sticking the stick in. It was just a stick. But the stick had to be placed in there. He could have said, ah, that sounds kooky. Uh-uh. Do you remember the, do you remember the, the, uh, the, um, the military man, the, the, the high-powered um, leader that said, went, went to the priest for healing, went to the prophet for healing. And he said, go dip in the river seven times. Why would I want to go do that? I could just come over here and dip in this water. He said, no, go dip in that one. And his servant said, if he said to do something great, wouldn't you do that? Just go dip in the water. He could have walked off and not received his healing. Even with the wrong attitude, he went and dipped and followed the instruction and he got healed. But he could have walked off. The thing is, and y'all know that this is one of my sayings. Why don't you do something? Do something. But the apostle Paul had been, had been persecuting Christians, watching Stephen die. He was right there, encouraging, supporting God's man dying. I don't think that many of us would say that we've probably gone to that level. We've done a lot of bad things, but I've never done that. I've not cheered a, a Christian being killed because he was a Christian. Amen? But Paul's walking on the uh, road to Damascus. And a light comes and Jesus speaks to him and he goes blind and he gets a word and he says, if you'll go to this man, you'll get your sight back. You'll be filled with the Holy Spirit and we'll go from there. You know what Paul could have done? Paul could have gone. I don't want any more of that. I can't see, but I'm going a different direction. You know what he didn't? He followed God's word and look what he did in his life. A man that was persecuting and killing Christians. What are you doing? Flashback. This month, Elizabeth and I will have been married 18 years. And praise God, we are, we are not at this stage anymore. She has walked in here with a newborn baby. Help me, Jesus. <laughs> we love babies. We're just ready to move on. <laughs> We've got some special guests here today, Emily and Larkin Keller, who I think almost probably predate me. Um, what a blessing it is to not predate me in this church, uh, but we won't go there. Uh, we're so thankful to have you. And you know what's funny is I, I had y'all on my mind this week for some reason. I don't know why, but it was, and I just kind of passed it. I, I prayed for you for just a minute, and then I just passed it. And Jimmy Finch was on my mind also. I don't know if it was Chick-fil-A or what the, what the deal was, but you were, y'all been on my mind. We're glad you're here. Amen. Sorry. Now, where was I? Do something. The Apostle Paul could have made the different choice. You know, we don't even think about the, the fact that he had a choice to make. He's blind. Can you imagine having your life going in one direction your whole life? And all of a sudden, in a split second, it all come to a crashing end. And now you've got to follow it. 
Do you hear me? Not only is he figuring out he's not right, but now he has to follow the opposite of what he's been believing this whole time. He's been against the way, the way of Jesus, the new way. And now the light has shined and he's supposed to go follow and go find somebody else. On the flip side, Ananias is sitting there going, wait a minute. I know Paul, (laughs) I'm not going to do anything for him. God, he persecutes people like me, but he obeyed. What I'm trying to say is God has a plan in here and it's time for you to, to, to stop the, that sounds good, but I'm going to stick to my own way and change. God's not changing. You know, I believe that so many of us, and I have lived this way, are waiting for the tooth fairy to put a dollar underneath our pillow and keep waking up the next morning and it's not there. Well, okay, maybe tomorrow. You know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. God's not going to change. You've got to change. God's not going to change. You've got to change. But as you're sitting down here and you're getting dumped on and getting dumped on, there is a way out for you. There is a way out for you. God has shown us himself in scripture so that we don't have to walk through what they walked through. We can, we can know God is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider, because of what our father Abraham went through. You just have to step out. What has the Lord called you to do this week? You know, it says, it says, um, the steps of the righteous man are ordered by God. Now that means if we will start to try to walk righteously and you know how we're made righteous. Jesus. Have you received Jesus Christ? You can't earn his salvation. It's a gift to you. He just gives it to you. You can't work your way into salvation. You have to believe and receive. But he is our righteousness. You now have power over sin. You can step out of what you're in. But you have to do it. God has paid the price. He has given you the authority. And he's given you the power over sin. Did you know that we can lose things in heaven and bind things in heaven and we can lose things on earth and bind them in Jesus's name? These things that have a hold of you, no more, but you're going to have to stand up and take dominion over it. You're going to have to do something. You're going to have to do something. If any man will do my will, then you're going to know whether it's of God or not. You start to follow what you know here, he'll start to clarify your specific walk. You follow his word here, he will start to define your specific walk. Amen? It's time to shake that dirt off. It's time to stop feeling sorry for yourself. And shake that dirt off. There's a time to be sad. But there's also a time to say no more. My my God's word says. If I will follow him. And obey him. 
that I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. I am blessed in the city. I am blessed in the country. He also says that if I'll honor my father and mother, that my days would be long on this land. That the Lord thy God has given me. And that's the first commandment with a promise. There are so many promises of God that you don't have to be where you are. But we've got to walk it out. With Paul, with Moses. God didn't say, Moses, I'm going to lead you to Pharaoh. And then after 10 times, I'm going to take you down this way and open up the river, open up the waters, and you're going to walk through it. Nope. He said, go to Pharaoh. But God, I'm not a good speaker. That's okay. Aaron will go with you. What do I say? Don't worry about it. I got it. But, he's, but Pharaoh's not going to listen to you. He told him, I've hardened his heart. God, why don't you just fast forward me to the 10th one and we'll just go on through this. No, I need you to see what I'm going to do as well as I need Pharaoh to see what I'm going to do. I need these people to see how big I am. So go. He didn't give him the end, but as Moses started to walk, his will was revealed to Moses as he went. But Moses had to go. Moses could have ran. Do y'all follow that? These men could make choices. Elijah had just seen all the prophets of Baal killed in front of him. And Jezebel shows up and he takes off. Scared to death. Elijah. Elijah, this great man of God. They're just like us. One moment we're on board, next moment we're running. These men are men just like us. I'm trying to say, you can do it. You can do it. Let's do it, church. Let's do it. Let's start pursuing God and watch him part the waters for you. Savior, you can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. Author of salvation. Many of you have been saved as a child or even as an adult, but you need saving again. I don't mean from your sins, uh, the cross saving. I mean saved from your life. You need rescued. Shake that dirt off and step up today. Thank you, Lord. We just bless your holy name for you alone are worthy. And Lord, this is this sounds so basic. Lord, it really is. If we will just try to move your way. Lord, the prodigal just had to make, just be seen by the father. And the father came running with open arms. And the son thought it had to be a certain way. And the father said, be quiet. You're restored as my son. Go kill the cow. Go start the band. It is time to party. My son has come home. You know, you may not have ever even received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And if that's you, today is the day. Did you know that Jesus came to give you life and to give it more abundantly than what you have now? The life that you have now is nothing compared to what Jesus Christ has made provision for you for. He says, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. But even more than that, he came to make a way for you to go to heaven, to go where the streets are gold, where there is no sickness. 
It is a pathway not to hell, which I, I will warn you is a real place, but a place where there is no sickness, where there is joy, where there is worship, where there is peace. He has gone to prepare a place for you. Would you receive Jesus Christ this morning? If that's you and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you just to slip your hand up with no one looking around to say, Pastor, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Is that you today? I need Jesus. Maybe you just need to cast some of this dirt off your back. You feel like you're about to get buried. I want you to know, stand up and shake that dirt off. It's time to walk out of that pit. It's time to get out of that. It's time to plead the blood of Jesus over your life. But not just do it right here in church, but walk out. Get in his word. Start living your life for the Lord. Get in Sunday school. Get in a life group. Make a change, church.